You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, welcome to the second edition of the Four Faces of Love. You know, uh, the scripture talks about love being a structure. It talks about its dimensions, and we are not yet ready to get into that passage, but I will get to it because it forms the foundation for everything we're talking about here, about how that love is not a one-dimensional thing. Uh, Years ago, I was in New Mexico, and particularly around Santa Fe, because I was looking at movie sets. And there are a number of great western towns out there, at least at the time there were. And we went out, and, and I was shocked when I went up to some buildings, and I found out they weren't buildings at all. They're just four walls with a telephone pole or two uh, anchored in the middle of those four walls, and they have long two-by-fours stretched out in every uh, uh, direction holding up those four walls. And the four walls from the outside looked like they were real buildings. But what they would do is they'd go behind the window and put a plywood box painted all black, hang curtains there, and you couldn't really see in. So without the expense of building a whole building with a roof and a foundation all that, they had these what were called false fronts. And uh, they would use those to simulate Western buildings. And uh, uh, now every now and then they would have a set that was uh, set both inside and outside, which is called a practical set. But uh, I learned that one face doesn't make a building. In fact, there were some buildings that on one side they were a particular building, and on the other side they were another building altogether. And that's particularly true of some of the Western movie sets in Hollywood, uh, where the two different streets are are, uh, different scenes. And uh, it's amazing how that all works. That's something that we can learn from, because a lot of people have a false impression of love Because the only face of love they see and know is the face of acceptance, of giving, of warmness, and so forth. And so if love manifests itself in another way, they they say that's not love. It's because they do not understand that love has more than one face. So let's start into this. It's 1 John 4, 8 ESV. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So God is the essence of love. He's perfect in its expression. He's never one time acted outside of love, even when he exercised his anger or his judgment. Jesus always acted in love, even when he disapproved of men's behaviors and attitudes. His rebukes and warnings did not bring harm to anyone. And that's the key to love. Love doesn't bring harm. And when you rebuke someone who's doing evil, uh, that doesn't bring harm to them. Uh, It's not harmful at all. It, It is showing them that you're on a path that leads to destruction, probably the destruction of other innocent people, but also your own destruction. So uh, a rebuke then is not uh, an act of hatred. Romans 13.8 says this, Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. The whole purpose of God's law was to create people who had a healthy understanding of love in more than one dimension. So love is a debt that we owe to others, and here's why. Because we were forgiven a great debt. 
Therefore, God expects us to show love to people, meaning that we don't wait for them to deserve it. We show it to them before they deserve it in hopes that it will lead them. In fact, uh, the Bible says it is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance, and that's why we want to be, as much as possible, good to people who uh, are not necessarily uh, right, and we want to show them kindness. But that doesn't mean that we are ignorant in the way we administer this. Years ago, there was a young lady here in the Tulsa area who picked up hitchhikers and talked to them about Christ. She shared her faith with a lot of people. I'm probably sure that she probably led a number of people to the Lord. And uh, But her family begged her to quit doing it because it was a dangerous thing. And eventually, one day, she picked up the wrong guy. And even though she was full of love, he killed her. He took her life, took her life early. There would have been many ways for this young lady to witness and share her faith without exposing herself to that kind of danger. We sometimes think that in order to be a witness, you have to abandon all caution, and that's not so. And uh, there is a time when you have to exercise some judgment and restraint. Listen to me. Love does not demand that you act in foolishness or naivete. You don't do that. Now, Romans 13.9 says this, The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covenant, or any, or covet or any other commandment are summed up in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That was the whole purpose of all of those commandments. Now, Romans 13.10 goes on to say this, Love does no wrong to a neighbor, Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So if you were to tell a neighbor, look, you're doing something here that's not good, and, and uh, I, I've even had to deal with people as pastor of a church and say, you know, when I get done with this counseling session, I'm making a phone call to the police department because you've broken a number of laws and you have brought harm. And what I was dealing with in particular was a young man who had molested a number of girls. And I told him, I said, I will report this. And I loved him. And you know, when I, uh, I did this, a lot of people misunderstood it. They accused me of hatred, but I was acting in defense of the girls. And this is what I dealt with. And this is how I handled it. I thought, if one of my sons had done what this young man has done, how would I want someone to proceed? Would I want my son to have his action covered up? Because if it's covered up and he doesn't deal with it, he's going to do it again. No. But I gave the young man a path to repentance. I said, I'll help you get back, but you're going to have to face up to this. Well, he didn't want to do it, and it cost him. But I didn't act in hatred. I didn't hate him. I was acting to protect those young ladies, but at the same time, I gave him a path to repentance. That's what love does. Love doesn't give blanket approval to everybody and say, just go on. You know what always amazes me? How some people will go to a criminal or someone who's committed a violent act and say, you know, I forgive you. And you're not even the one who was sinned against. It's not even your relative that was killed. But somehow you will tell somebody else they're forgiven and it's not your place to forgive. Listen to me. It's important that we examine the relationships that are involved years ago. I dealt with a husband and a wife where he had cheated on his wife a number of times. In fact, the whole 20 years of their marriage, he had been unfaithful to her. And it all came out one day. 
Wife asked me to help her, and I dealt with the guy. And he admitted to what he'd done. He confessed it all. But he was upset after his confessions that his wife didn't blow it off and say, okay, all is forgiven, and he wants everything to be the same. And she was deeply hurt, and uh, you can understand that. And I said to him, let me tell you something. When you repent, God forgives you instantly because he's God and he has ultimate power and an ultimate ability to, to not be hurt by such things. But your wife is not God. And just because you repent doesn't mean you have won the right to sleep with your wife again. And here's why. Because just because someone else repents, that doesn't give them the right to sleep with your wife. You, you came to this point of being able to have an intimate relationship with your wife because you made a vow to her and you said to her, I forsake all others. You broke that vow. So it will take some time for her to heal. Well, he had no patience for it and the marriage didn't work. It failed because he was trying to bring something out of her that you could only get from God. God instantly forgives, but when there is a transgression or sin, we have to also look at the human side, the human relationships. And so uh, those are two totally different things. And so when you cover something up and you don't deal with the human element as well as the God element, uh, then you have a great breach. All right, love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. So when you really love somebody, you don't do any wrong toward them. Now, the presence of evil in this world demands this, that God protect those who honor him. You know, evil has always been aggressive from the very beginning toward those who are righteous. You see it with Cain and Abel. Cain was evil, and he killed Abel, his brother. Abel didn't cause the problem. It was Cain who caused the problem. Pharaoh went out against the Israelites. The Israelites had done him no harm. They built him great treasure cities. They built all kinds of structures for him. They made Egypt a wealthy nation. So the Israelites did no harm to Egypt and to Pharaoh, but Pharaoh went out after them to kill them. Daniel's co-workers created a trap to have him thrown into the lion's den. He did no evil to them, but they did evil against him. King Saul went after David, did everything he could to kill David, tried on a number of occasions to take David's life. David actually saved the king's life when he killed Goliath the giant. So the thing that we see is that evil people pursue righteous and innocent people. That's why I am mystified by people who claim that they love uh, uh, another human being, but they are willing to take the life of an innocent unborn child, and yet you never see the same people uh, demanding death penalty for heinous criminals who commit murder. It, it, it mystifies me that people would have the same attitudes. In other words, they have a bleeding heart for someone who's completely evil, but they have no compassion for someone who's totally innocent. And there's a great uh, paradox in all of that. So evil pursues the innocent and it exalts the wicked. For this reason, God stands against people who have those attitudes. He is against them. And it is a misbelief to think 
that we should look for the good in everybody. Listen to me. There are some people in whom there is not an ounce of good. They cannot be trusted. They are totally evil. Law enforcement people will tell you that. They have to deal with that, and they, I'm sure, get very weary of do-gooders who beat them up all the time because they had to stand against a criminal. It is amazing to me that people will give criminals a pass, but what would you do when they kill your daughter or your son or they treated you in a particular way? And some people, even then, are so stupid that they won't want to deal with that. But Love protects, and that's a face of love that nobody ever wants to talk about. Love not only forgives and accepts, but love also protects, and there is a balance between love. It is another face. Listen, the Bible says in Proverbs 4, 14, 16, 15, 16, 17, Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they've done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they've made someone else stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. You know what that just says? It says there are some people who are beyond hope. Now, not everybody is like that, and there are people who do wrong and do commit sins, who do have hope and who can change. But there are a lot of people who get to the point where they are incapable of repentance. They become totally totally hardened in their way of thinking. We would call them sociopaths or psychopaths because they reach a point where they're completely evil. And there's some amazing books on the subject of how to deal with sociopaths and how to recognize them because these are people who cannot be helped. They have to be resisted. God is long-suffering toward evil people, and here's what he doesn't do. He doesn't judge them instantly. He permits them to do what they do for a season of time, even though he doesn't agree with it. That's his long-suffering. And many sinful people, when the long-suffering of God is shown, are capable of repentance. But What God does is he watches people and lets them show these patterns, these extended patterns. Then he will deal with them. I want you to see this. Acceptance from God does not change a truly evil person. And you need to write this scripture down. This is Isaiah 2610, the ESV. I'm going to read it from two translations, the New Living as well. And here's what it says. If favor is shown to the wicked... Now, a wicked person is different than an ordinary sinner, or even when the Bible talks about the ungodly. The ungodly is different than the wicked. The wicked is even worse. There are different classes of evil. If favor is shown to the wicked, he does not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness, he deals corruptly and does not see the majesty of the Lord. So even though he's in righteous surroundings, and even though he personally has received favor from God, he still does not learn righteousness, even though goodness has been shown to him. Here's the same verse uh, from New Living. Your kindness to the wicked does not make them do good. They keep doing wrong and take no notice of the Lord's majesty. Now here's where a lot of people, and especially Christians, get into trouble. They preach a level of forgiveness that God Almighty himself does not show. We make blanket statements, forgive everybody. There's some people who don't need to be forgiven, who cannot be forgiven, who do not want to be forgiven. And to extend the blessings of forgiveness and restoration to them is a huge mistake. And it hurts everybody that is involved with it. 
So let's learn something about the four faces of love so we see all four faces. Breadth, length, depth, height. We'll get into that later. See you then. I want to thank you for watching our podcast today. And if you really liked it, would you please give us a little thumbs up by clicking on that sign down below. And then I would encourage you to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any of our future podcasts because they're all going to be good. And if you would like to support us financially, either with a one-time gift or recurring gift, you can do that by clicking on the link below or going to myfaithroots.com. Thank you so much for watching this program. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.